Hey everyone, let me ask you a quick question. Are you creating too much content without actually having a plan to get that in front of your audience? Well, this episode is brought to you by Content Repurposing Roadmap. This is my flagship course where I take you step-by-step -step through my content repurposing strategy. You'll get proven systems, real-life examples, and fill-in-the-blank templates to help you get started. If you want to get more out of every piece of content you're creating, you can enroll for this course at contentrepurposingroadmap.com. Hey everybody, before we get started, I want to thank my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. You can get unlimited podcast editing and strategy for one flat rate by visiting hatch.fm. All right, let's get in the show. Welcome to Distribution First, the show where we flip content marketing on its head and focus on what happens after you hit publish. Each week I share playbooks, motivations, stories, and strategies to help you repurpose and distribute your content because you deserve to get the most out of everything you create. Super pumped to have Anthony Canada on today. He is the co-founder and CEO of Audience Plus. And today we are going to go deep into owned media, how distribution fits into it, why companies aren't doing it right now, and where companies should be looking as they head into the next decade and they're on. So Anthony, thanks for coming on, man. Justin, so excited to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah. So Audience Plus, you know, again, behind the curtain, I'm an advisor <laughs> for Audience Plus, but uh, I think regardless, this is a absolute blast to have you on the show and talk through some of these things we were just talking. I think it's one of those pieces where sort of inside baseball, people understand it. Outside, I think they kind of understand it, but I'd love for you to kind of maybe just lay the land on the owned media landscape. I know you you all are really own, uh, owning, no pun intended, but owning <laughs> that right now and, and kind of what that looks like. Maybe describe where B2B is at, where yeah. these companies are kind of at and where they should be heading. Yeah. And by the way, just so folks know, Justin saw Audience Plus before it was even like a pixel of design still. So definitely... I've learned so much from you, Justin, you know, and, and listen to the show. So thanks for for having me on. Part of what I've kind of observed leading marketing teams and at least within the SaaS kind of industry where, I, where I've been focused is we talk a lot about marketing being human. We talk about wanting to create authentic brands and all these types of things. And to me, our method of communication traditionally is through content marketing. And as we kind of have these like rich visions of community led and you know relationship building and all of that the team that is focused on actually creating this content is tasked with building all of these seo pillar pages spending all their time doing the stuff that i think matters is table stakes but we all know there's these more editorial means that we can take to how we create content how we distribute that content which we'll talk about it a lot today and there's sort of a cognitive dissonance between those things. What are we saying in terms of what we're trying to do as marketers? And then how are we aligning resources and strategy to actually make that happen? And I think what has really happened this year, or maybe over the last two years, that has taken this from like something we've all felt to maybe something now that we have to do something about is several things. One, it is so noisy out there in terms of the content that is being created. The creative bar to actually break through the noise is extremely high or a lot higher than it was a year ago. 
Two, distribution on the paid front is getting much more expensive. It's very inefficient. And as marketing dollars are being taken away, not being added to marketing budgets today, we have to rethink how we get our story told in the right channels. So we spent a lot of time focused on organic social, which is great, but we're also realizing that our reach on these platforms is being throttled by algorithms that we don't control. And so all of this is kind of leading us to this place where we need to be focused on building a first-party data set about our audience. We need to be able to communicate to them directly versus needing to rent access to our audience or pay access for access to our audience. And by the way, like actually doing all of this counterintuitive, whatever, counterculturally, is actually more efficient than just putting all of our dollars in Google AdWords or whatever. It's more authentic. It takes us a step closer to being more customer-led or community-led or whatever. So it feels like now your ability to actually get access to your audience is at existential levels of risk and your ability to break through the noise and all of that is sort of paved the way for owned media or really, you know, said another way, creating editorial content, not for algorithms, but for humans to actually consume and be building that subscriber base, that first party data set about your audience, um, understanding how, what topics they care about, you know, what channels are they kind of consuming your your content in, looking for signal of buying intent, all of these types of things is really, I think, the next chapter of our industry in marketing. Yeah, my, my brain is going in a, a million different places because I'm like, it ties into so many different solid conversations I've had on this show. And I think one of the more interesting pieces with this is that I think plainly stated the tactics that got us where we in the strategies, even that got us where we were or where we are yeah. will not get us to the future where we need to be. You know, I had this conversation with Rob Balasabas on a previous episode, and it's like this idea of like creators versus marketers versus how, how do we balance those things and how do you sort of change up those mindsets? And I think long term for a company to be successful in today's world, you will not be able to compete on feature sets yeah. or pricing or Ben, you know, perceived benefits or any yeah. of those sort of things that, you know, we like to throw on a landing page, how you're going to outcompete is personalities and yeah. stories and connections and right. all of those things that take time to build, to gain trust, to build those communities. But it's all of the, it's like having a foundation that you build out of bricks yeah. versus a foundation that you build on a sandcastle. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. it, those two, those two different things. And the one might be able to get you, you know, you can shove a bunch of money in Google ads. Like you yeah. said, we, we can put a bunch of money in Google ads. We could put a bunch of money into different things yeah. and it might get us a little spike, but the long term ramifications of that are, are much different. Yeah. Look at the language we've used. We've talked about marketing automation, automate my ability to hit my goals. I don't want to do the work. I want to mm. just like automate it. <laughs> and that's crazy. I mean, we've all gotten kind of drunk on that idea. Mm -hmm. We've all read, you know, we've all been inbound. We all figured out the inbound marketing thing. We were, we're all kind of running that playbook and coming out of the pandemic and coming into this kind of economic crisis. We're like, oh, that's not working anymore. Or, oh, the, the, there's sort of a diminishing effect of our ability because everyone's doing it. Everyone's getting better at it. And we need to find ways to actually go back to the thing we did before we were trying to automate marketing, which is build relationships. 
And what better way to build relationships than using these channels and these formats to actually communicate at scale? I mean, I'd love to talk to every one of your listeners one-on-one, go to their local coffee shop, have a good conversation and build trust that way. I can't. So we use programs like this to be able to scale our ability to build trust. And as content professionals, like doing this on behalf of our CEOs or spokespeople internally, we're able to do the thing that marketing has done traditionally before we've just tried to like, I don't know, spam everyone to to demo the product. And it's all about relationships and content is at the heart of how we do that. Yeah. It's funny to, you mentioned like the pandemic too. I think it's been such a, I think a lot of false positive, a lot of shifts in a lot of different areas, but I could just like, you know, when, when everybody's sitting at home and you can't literally can't do anything, but like buy crap online, <laughs> it's really easy to sell yeah. stuff online. You know, oh, yeah. when the world opens back up and you have a myriad of options of things to do and da, 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 mm-hmm. it's a different world. Totally. But we had this just boom of investment, a boom. And like o- over that time period of overevaluate all of that sort of thing, which was kind of overinflating what we thought was success. And now there's a lot of realities that are coming to set where it's like, there's no easy button. Like you said, like we want this sort of automatic, easy, like, can't I just set it and forget my marketing and my sales and all that stuff? Like I should just be able to like spin up a business, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny. Like we were talking about this after a couple of board meetings ago. We're like, people are realizing that business is hard. (laughs) It's supposed to be hard. This is not supposed to be To your point, we just spin up a campaign and then the leads just come in and we're so flush with venture capital that we can buy a bunch of products and try it. And this is supposed to be hard to do something great. And all of us are on this, have the ambition and whatever our roles are, whatever our companies are doing to do something great. And in so doing, we have to zig when others are zagging. We have to get creative, figure out what's authentic for our audience. Don't just read everything I write or anyone else writes and say, this is like 100% true. Like we've got to experiment and figure out what's going to make sense for our personas that we're targeting, all these types of things. So yeah, I think that's something that we're realizing. Hopefully there's not this like reckoning coming, but I know there's certainly folks talking about that. But all of the companies born in the last five years, call it or whatever, 10, I don't know, maybe five to eight years, only the the strong are going to survive, I think. Yeah, I think it's across society. I think it's probably a more macro problem than just even business and B2B where it's, you know, easy money, crypto, easy, you know, it's just there's like everybody wants to lose 10 pounds by not doing anything, you know, put on, you know, put an electric band on their stomach or something like just it's just the natural impulse to want to do that. And I think that just bleeds over into how we do marketing and even specifically how we do content marketing. But I think that's a great segue into the hard work of building an owned media company. I'm interested what, I think it depends, right? I'm curious your take, but like companies are the gamut. There are the single, you know, solopreneur. There's the seed stage startup that you're well familiar with. There's the, uh, (laughs) (laughs) there's the series F late stage company who's been doing blogging and nothing but SEO. Like, where do you even begin to think about this? What are your suggestions for like, all right, we know we need to kind of shift this away from this 100% SEO bucket or this rented channel bucket, focus more on owned. Where do I even begin? I mean, what's interesting is even if you look at the first dozen or so customers of Audience Plus, they're kind of split to two cohorts. You've got public scale SaaS companies 
who have deep content teams, you know, an established community. They've built a lot of kind of equity in their SEO and their digital kind of experiences. And then you've got earlier stage companies that are like, we want to start with owned. You know, we'll do kind of the SEO thing. You know, we know that matters and we'll figure it out. But like, we know that the way we're going to establish relationship and build that with our customers is through this kind of different means, right? This more kind of authentic means of driving the content priorities, at least. For the late stage companies or public scale, for them, it's like the demand tactics aren't working anymore. We got to do something else. We've done the SEO thing. And here's what, you know, we have a certain amount of traffic we can kind of count on, but people aren't buying today. And we've got to figure out how to stay in front of them, kind of get them to be a part of our movement or whatever. So we warm them up. And then when they're ready to buy, they think of us. So there's sort of some different needs. I know this is sort of like a, I don't know, politically correct answer or whatever, but like there's different needs and both need owned media or both, I think, are approaching owned media through different avenues. And look, I, I don't think SEO, I'm not saying SEO is dead and like people, we don't need pillar pages and we don't need to like focus on that content. We do. It just feels like that can't be it. Like mm-hmm. we can't stop there. Mm-hmm. You need maybe one person on the content team doing it, maybe an agency that can support that effort while you're kind of freeing up your creative resources internally to figure out how can we break through the noise. Podcast programs like this, maybe a weekly newsletter or something that's not like a roundup of content, but like an insight that that's kind of, you know, deeply meaningful. How do events and digital or or in-person kind of fit into this broader kind of program? So it's been really awesome to see. It's, it's weird that it's early days, but like early days for, I think, this new wave of owned media and seeing companies on both ends of the extreme really starting to invest. What are the biggest maybe questions or... Because this is new frontier for a lot of not only like companies, but a lot of marketers. I know for me, like during the pandemic, I had to shift from being a blog writer, content manager to a multimedia, you know, learn podcasting, learn YouTube, like all. And it's been a journey ever since then to get to this point. What are the major sort of like questions or stumbling blocks out there like what what are those things that people are trying to to get over as they as they start this man two things are coming to mind typically when we're engaging with companies at least the conversation is typically starting through demand generation or revenue marketing teams however you want to best describe them and they're approaching the problem through the lens of pipeline <laughs> we're having issues growing the company mm. and this sounds interesting like tell us more And one of the first things as we're talking about it, which hopefully gives folks excited who are listening is like, I don't know if I have the team that can do this, that can actually execute on this. To your point, you spent time upskilling and like learning new tactics. I think for at least this might be generalizing, I don't mean for it to be, but I think a lot of content professionals come out of creative writing and journalism and some of those backgrounds, not multimedia production, not video production and audio, those types of things. So there is this sort of gap that exists part of the solution being, okay, how do we upskill um, like you did? Others are like, how can we work with maybe an agency or others to like, do we have enough content that we could actually run an own media strategy? And to them, I say, first of all, it's a great time to be in content because I think you're like literally in the job function that is gonna power this next chapter of marketing. But beyond that, I would focus more, and this is what I tell the the demand marketers, focus more on a cadence that you're comfortable with. Don't set a 
unrealistic expectation for the amount of content you need you need to produce in order to like do the own media thing whether it's a weekly or monthly newsletter podcast episode every month an editorial article every week whatever just set up something and stick with it and there are a lot of great folks on the market or that are contractors or agencies that that can help support you the second one is around data so this is sort of what compelled us to start audience plus is I've believed in this idea. We've done crazy like video campaigns, podcasts over the years, all that. And I put it up on YouTube. And then my CEO asked me, how did it go? Like we spent 30 grand on that video. How did it go? And I'm like, good, I think. Like we got 300 visitors. Yeah, we boosted it a little bit, but our views, we got 300 views. I think there was a little blip in organic traffic on the website as after that campaign ran, I'm not sure. And that's the language that we have around media being non-performance oriented content from an SEO perspective or whatever. I was like, God, again, a dissonance. How can we do that? And that's where, again, don't want to make this a commercial for the product, but effectively, like we're trying to solve that problem saying, if you don't just rely on YouTube and Spotify, those things are great and we need to be where our audience is. But if you're driving traffic intentionally to your owned property, you can actually get much deeper understanding of the data, engagement data and how all of that engagement is actually translating to pipeline. And it doesn't take like six to eight months for Google to like index that post and start driving traffic to your site when you're waiting right on Google and playing by their rules. It's literally, you know, instant. We've been in market for about seven months with our content and we've built an audience of about 3000 subscribers without spending a dollar on paid distribution. I don't know if that's good or not, but the ROI is pretty quick, right? In terms of people that are engaged with the thought leadership and the, they're here to be edu- educated and entertained and connect with others, self-actualize in their careers or however you want to put it. And I'd have to believe if we were monetizing through that, which we will at some point, we'd have leads pretty quickly versus needing to wait very long. So I think that's the other promise with a very long answer to your question. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I actually, I love that answer. I think because those are the two pieces that even for me, it's a constant evolution. One, like you mentioned, was the upskilling of either I need to figure this out myself and figure out how to do this. Or like when I hopped over and joined metadata and I went from having a team of video mm. people and you know I was the video dummy, like I had video experts on my team to being like, I know nothing about video and now I know the most about video of wow. anybody here. And so it's just yeah. like, you know, you go into these worlds And so trying to figure out how to A, build those up and support those. And then the other thing is what you said. I'm curious if if you've experienced this or experienced this during the same time frame. But when 2021, post-pandemic, go back to like that sort of Mm -hmm. unrealized high everybody is riding on. I worked at Hopin, Justin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so you know. I Uh, I know the unrealized high. So you've got, you know, you've got this like... (laughs) I guess what I want to say is it's easy to support a owned media strategy when, oh, sure, like, let's just try it. Yeah, yeah. Versus the world we find ourselves in now. This is where I, to tie it back to the measurement and like being yeah, able yeah. to actually tie those metrics. Like, that's the difference. Right? It's what it, it's one thing when it's like pipelines good. Like, yeah, we believe in this. Yeah, yeah, that qualitative metrics. Yeah, look at all these people that love it. And then it's like, yeah, well, that LinkedIn comment's fine. But how is this driving yeah. actual revenue for our business? And like totally. that conflict that comes in. Well, what's so interesting is in those like in the good times, one might hear the word own media and think this is a brand expense or a brand program where it's like, oh, it's about awareness. Like, you know, we'll put some ad dollars behind it and amplify it on YouTube. We'll get a billboard. It's gonna be great. 
But now in this like moment of scarcity, it's like, wait a minute, we need to do something like we need like any idea is an idea right now. Let's figure out how we can emerge on the other side of this and like keep our jobs, like, you know, hit our number, whatever the case may be. And the good news is owned media through the lens of revenue marketing is a much different conversation. To your point, it matters that we can attribute value and the connection from engagement to pipeline or whatever it is that we're accountable to. But there are proof points in the industry that this is the thing that can help companies run more efficiently. Airbnb is an example I talk about often. They made the decision, they're very public about this, of moving their search marketing budget to owned content. And they've hit their earnings every single quarter. And it's not their CMO upstage, like on stage puffing his chest or her chest, or like talking about this. It's the CFO that's saying the reason we're beating earnings, earnings is we're running more efficient because we took our paid dollars and we moved it to owned. And that is like, again, it's a different industry for than I come from, but it's a real insight into this is actually fundamentally a revenue driving motion for companies. It is not just a brand. It could be if you want it to be, but it turns out that brand can actually drive revenue if the data set is owned, if the distribution is owned. And that's been sort of the, the unlock, I think, from chapter one, HubSpot inbound marketing, SEO posts to chapter two, owned media. Yeah, and it, it makes total sense. I think part of what you're doing, and I'm sure will be sort of the evolution of this movement, is not a pure attribution, because there's never going to be a pure attribution, but at least some solid enough signals that are more solid than your gut. Because I think most of the time, like we've been living off our gut feelings and trying to like, you can't come to a CFO meeting with your yeah. gut feelings. It's not going to work. Right. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, the other piece actually on, the, on that front is marketers have to do something. The only thing you can't do in this season is the same thing you did last year. So I think there is openness on the CFO front, on the CEO side for new ideas, but you're absolutely right. You better be able to defend those ideas with proof points that aren't inferred. And with web analytics tools like Google Analytics, everything's inferred. With 300 impressions on that post, is that good? Like who are the 300? It's hard to really tell that story to a CFO, similar with a YouTube view or a Spotify listen or whatever. We have been inferring in marketing since the marketing automation era or began or before it. And the benefit of owned is we would know. We would know that Jane Doe from this company listened to these six, you know, engage with these six assets that are all around this one topic. And so when the SDR eventually reaches out to that person, they're referencing something that resonates with her without ever having met her before. So I think that's the potential in general is, and that's just one silly example, but you know, the, the idea being when we own the data, we can go beyond inference and, you know, we won't claim a hundred percent attribution, but you're a lot closer to the pin than you would be otherwise. Absolutely. It's just those incremental steps to be able to try and measure that success, be able to tell a better story, be able to- that's right continue to invest and be able to continue to to do these things because yeah. it's easy to do it once. It's easy to do it, you know, a little yeah. flash in the pan. It's hard to sustain. That's maybe the other, maybe transition there, like to sustain these media companies, to sustain these things. That's maybe a good transition point. So I think as we start to think about building these media companies, brands, different areas, what are some ways people could, you mentioned sort of the cadence, and I agree with that. Cadence is key. Being able to actually figure out how to walk before you run is a huge piece of this. But what are those types of content pieces that companies could start thinking about? I think 
a core part of the show is like the repurposing, the distribution, all those type of things to say video series doesn't have to be a video series, a podcast doesn't, a webinar doesn't have to be a webinar. Like, what are some of those areas where you would say, whether for either side of those companies that are coming in to say, all right, here are some ways to some ideas you can get going with with starting in the own media space? Yeah, man, it's a good, it's a good topic, and I've learned a lot from you on this topic. And frankly, it's very uh, personal right now because we our cadence is ground to a halt for a small team that just launched a company and was sort of all hands on deck. And so as we're building our next slate of content right now, we're like, well, let's repurpose the stuff we've done for a year that chances are no one's seen yet. So definitely do believe that distribution is key and we don't have to necessarily start all over again every quarter or whatever. And we need to get better at it ca- candidly. But I think everyone's different, right? I think there's something about video and podcasts, at least as formats, perhaps one of many formats for any given piece of content that should be considered in this new kind of era. Sounds silly to even put it that way, but this is just how people are learning. This is how we're engaging with topics we care about. So I would definitely think about those mediums uh, in general, live streams as well. But being able to stack kind of various mediums and formats against any one interview, let's say, or one topic or theme or whatever has merit too. So this podcast, and again, I'm I'm stealing some of your posts as I say these words out loud, but this podcast could be a blog post, could be a newsletter insight. It could be a bunch of video clips and short form clips that we post on LinkedIn together. You could ask me to promote it and distribute it to my audience as well, which I will, you know, and all of these things. So this one 30 minutes we spend together has turned into a week of content perhaps across all of these different mediums. So I think that's the promise of doing it. You know, the one thing that we did, looking back, this might have worked pretty well. I can't tell. I'll let you know. But <laughs> I wrote the table of contents of the book that I want to write one day on owned media. And, you know, the beginning was sort of setting the stage. Why should people pay attention? How do you justify an investment to this? That's like act one. Act two was like the seven principles for building an own media strategy. And each one was a different chapter. And then the third one section is like, all right, so what happens if we get this right? What happens if you actually implement this? What doors are open? What what are you setting the stage for? And literally, this was like before we ever wrote one blog post. And so every blog post we've written so far has been a different like leaflet underneath the chapter of the book that we want to one day write. If we were really taking this advice, we would also do a podcast episode for each or interview like a luminary or an expert in each. And then all of that would then feed the book curation process more than writing process when we're ready for it. So why do I share that? I think having a true north is important for what it is that we're actually doing from a content perspective. It's not sort of random acts of content that I think I've been guilty of as a CMO and certainly CEOs have done saying, hey, we need to write a thing about this. Can you go do it? Like, okay, sure. Like we can do that. And so I think having sort of a vision for the conversation that we want to lead for our category or for our audience or whatever making sure it's also you know within our business connected to the products that we sell and our services that we sell thinking about format taking a more of an editorial or entertainment type of approach to how we deliver on that conversation you're sort of building the the roadmap i guess in a very intentional way and you might find the sort of economies of scale not and that's the right term but you might you know one conversation could check off a lot of those boxes for you and save your team a lot of time and energy and so I think starting by aiming at a, any given direction first might be a, a good learning from our end. Yeah, I love that. I mean, 
thinking through that, your strategy there, it's, I, I have a very, very similar strategy. It's less on the, the strategy for me and now more on execution, but you know, <laughs> when you're a one man show, you're trying to do yeah, it. So, no, for sure. but I think the way you frame that up with that North star, with that initial outline, that initial outline could truly drive at least two to three years worth of content for you for sure in different for mediums sure. in different ways. You could very easily start to map that out if you're any given company with, you know, you don't need three sections and X amount of chapters. It could yeah. be just five main themes and topics that you want to attack. Totally. You start building up all those blog posts and then it's like, oh, we're, we should do a video series. All right. Yeah. Here's all the topics we've laid out. Like you said, yeah. who are the core people I could bring on to talk about each one of those topics? Yeah. Oh, who, who could we have internally that's really, really smart that talks about each one of those topics? Absolutely. You know, and it doesn't have to be... I've talked about this from time to time, but like a podcast feels very ongoing and never ending, right? Like it feels mm -hmm. like if you're starting a podcast, you buckle in for 300 episodes. Here we go. Yeah, because right. you got to do this. I love kind of the approach you all have taken actually audience plus and saying, we're not necessarily going to do that, but what we're going to do are these standalone series and yeah, these standalone, right. you know, that any given time we can add more to, we can pause, yeah. we can refresh, we can repurpose, we can get that stuff back out. Yeah. Like having those sort of standalone things that at any given time you can just pull from and say, I just really want to talk about X topic right yeah. now. Oh, great. I've got a series. I got an interview. We've got with, a box for that. Yeah, I've got I've got yeah. stuff I can already pull from. I, I have things yeah. I can already do. And and I just think like there's so much power in being able to build those different streams and then be able to just kind of pick and choose and how you want to do those moving forward. I think that's right. And um we're not doing it. Well, right now you caught us in the low. Again, we're all just kind of reeling from this launch that we just had. Let me know if you want to talk, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely talk. We should absolutely talk. But the way we're thinking about it is modeling it after broadcast TV, where there's different seasons or different slates. You got like the fall slate of programming, the spring, and then you might have the summer off or whatever. And so taking a quarterly view of our, of our I guess, content franchises where you might have the same shows that run in the fall and the spring, and then another batch of shows that run in the winter and the summer. And again, we're not, we haven't hit the rhythm that I'd like us to hit yet, but I think that's the intention would be now we have different formats of content. So this is a great interview show. We have an interview series called Media House. Then we have like a takedown show where we'll look at a consumer media brand and lovingly take it down and apply the learnings to B2B companies. We have live programs, you know, all these sort of different types of formats or franchises we're going to refer to them as. Learned a lot from Paddle on this and ProfitWell as sort of the early movers, I would say, in this in this whole whole industry. But that I think gives us some ways to take these ideas and apply it into different packages that people can consume the information in. So again, you're right. And what's nice is the seasons give us sort of a cop out in a way, like. We need 12 episodes. We don't need 300. And then we survive. We live to see another quarter or two, right? So that helps us, I think. And we do, we're working with some creators and influencers as well. And so we'll sign up for the 12 episodes or a six episode half season and kind of see how it goes. So anyway, I, I don't know if that, again, I don't know if any of this stuff is best practice. We're kind of learning by doing a little bit, but it feels like by you're setting more realistic expectations for yourself than to your point saying, all right, you got to run this thing forever, which there is merit to staying in the game for sure. But I think you can convince your team to sign up for 12 episodes of something and then measure impact, see how it goes, and then kind of move on from there. 
Yeah. And I love the framework of sort of that television model. It's interesting. I don't watch like normal television all that often, but like I'm dating uh, myself or or ever (laughs) unless it's sports. Yeah. But I think like what's funny is like that also means I don't see like television ads or things like that very often. And so I was just watching, you know, something the other day and it was like, I realized, oh, yes, we are in the summer television yeah, season that's where right. it's like, you know, cheesy game shows game or shows. goofy reality things yeah. or da 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 da. Those only come out in the summer. That's right. There's a summer slot of shows or yes. there's this, you know, fall is this very particular yeah. type or spring or it's that's like, the peak. It feels like is yeah, the fall season. Yeah. Right? And I think being able to like chop your quarters up that way as a business and yeah. or even halves to say like, you know, just to start like we have H1, we have H2. Mm-hmm. Summer. I remember when we were at Metadata, I, I was telling Jason and Mark at the time, I was like, when we started Demand Gen U, I was like, all right, guys, summer is coming. It's going to be infinitely harder for you all to keep this show going in the yeah. summer. I'm just, yeah. I can guarantee you, I've done this before. And it was like, it was so true. Like yep. vacations happen and the, you know, this happens and that happens. It's just yeah. a different People are world. offline. People yeah, are totally. offline. It's, you know. Yeah. And I say this half jokingly, but like, where is the game, summer game show, cheesy game show for B2B? How can we apply some of these lessons to innovate and stand out and do things that we already have that like, before you said cheesy game show in my head i thought cheesy game show in the summer clearly like that's the answer think of like steph curry had like a golf show yep. like, like, this stuff will never make it on musty tv nope. on a friday night <laughs> but what can we learn from that and how can that work for our industry and what would a show look like that's on one of those five pillars that we want to talk about this year and how can we have some maybe more creative kind of risk and fun in the summer if we know we're not going to get the viewership that we would normally get. So I think this is what we're talking about right now is sort of like the ethos of Mm -hmm. this whole thing that is very, I would say, new, at least for our industry in the consumer world. I think they might be a few years ahead of us, but it's exciting. And it's like it feels like a, a renaissance for marketing, like, you know, at least for B2B marketing and how we find ways to break through the noise, deliver on our message, activate a a community of people that that are interested in this topic and be able to prove that it works, be able to prove that all of this is actually driving the business. Yes, absolutely. I I love that idea. I love the seasonality. Like now I'm thinking like, all right, end of year is a very particular vibe, right? Like wrap ups or, you know, that's that's more traditional, but like, yeah, budgeting, forecasting, beginning of the year is like, a very inspirational, motivational yeah. time. So like, what type of content can I put out at the beginning yeah. of the year that's going to ramp everybody up to try to crush Q1, right? Like it's just- Right, exactly. You could very easily plan your segments of your content around that way. It's a fascinating way to look at it. Totally, totally. Well, awesome, man. This has been a blast. I feel like we could uh, go for another uh, 35 going. minutes if we wanted to, that's but right. uh, I'll pause and I'll just have to have <laughs> you back sometime and we'll chat about it. But I, I would encourage everybody to follow Audience Plus, follow AK on LinkedIn and Twitter and make sure to check out their shows, what they're doing. It's honestly, uh, I say this, uh, I, I mean, I guess it's biased, but whatever. <laughs> it, it's some of my favorite content out there. I think it's original. I think it's unique. And I think if you want to even just get ideas about what you could possibly do, I think they're a great resource to be able to check out. So, okay, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Justin. Thanks so much. Awesome. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Distribution First, and thank you for listening all the way through. I appreciate you so 
so much. And I hope you're able to apply what you learned in this episode one way or another into your content strategy as well. Speaking of strategy, we have a lot of things going on this year that are going to help you build your brand, 10x your content, and transform the way you do content marketing. Make sure to subscribe to the show and sign up for my newsletter at justinsimon.co so you don't miss a thing. I look forward to serving you in the next episode as well. And until then, take care and I'll see you next time.